through uh, the book of Revelation, which is all sorts of fun, uh, and then went on the holidays, and, but it's great to be with you today and kick off this series. And so, yeah, if there's, you know, if you want to take a three-week vacation and plan that, you know, I won't take it personally, or maybe I will. Okay, so yeah, we're looking at a passage today that has been part of the bedrock of the worship life in the church for literally 2,000 years um, as a staple passage of what it looks like to communicate with God, what it looks like to pray. Uh, and this passage is, is called the Lord's Prayer. It's also known as, people like to say, actually, it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer, because it's for the disciples, that's usually the quick, like, I'm going to show you I'm a Bible scholar by telling you it's the disciples' prayer instead of the Lord's Prayer. But it's known as that. Uh, it's also known as the Jesus Prayer. Um, and y- you probably know this prayer. And it's, you know, things over time, they can gradually lose their meaning. And I don't just say things vaguely, but the word thing, as an example, is actually a proper noun. It is a, a word that harkens back to 600 AD in Germanic societies where uh, the meeting, the assembly of the people was called the thing. How about that? And so now we say, you know, there's some meaning that is carried on from that. We can say, are you going to the thing later? But we don't mean the town hall. We just mean whatever. We're just being vague. Uh, And it doesn't really reflect an inherent shelf life of the word itself. That's not how language works. But in the culture of the people, in the minds and the hearts of the people, things just change over the time or they shift in emphasis. Uh, And the Lord's Prayer has been uh, around for a lot longer than the word thing, but just like how with the thing, uh, well, I'm saying that a lot, uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, maybe isn't always treated in the same way or seen in the same light as it has been throughout its history. And so do you remember learning this prayer for the first time? Uh, I remember, you know, before I was even a believer, I knew this prayer, and I was trying to get out of church. I was sitting in the pews, bookended in by my parents, looking for anywhere to get out, and I, I still knew this prayer. This prayer is known in the church. It's, it's known out of the church. Uh, some people don't love it because it, the, re- the reciting of it feels more like a ritual and away from relationship and conversation, but when you get down to the, to the heart of this passage is that For 2,000 years, the people of God have seen it fit to use this exact prayer in their time of worship uh, to become a a pillar of the worship life in the church. To have that consistency over 2,000 years should tell us, hey, this is important. And so this series is titled uh, Talking with God, uh, looking specifically at this prayer, um, and then looking at what it teaches us generally about prayer. And so if you pray with me, and then we'll read the passage for today. Uh, Father, I just, uh, I just praise you um, just for this morning, the gathering of your people today. Uh, we honor you for that, and just ask that, um, that you would reveal your truth to us this morning, and that you would speak through me uh, to be faithful to your word. Uh, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be, uh, I'll read Matthew 6, verses 5 through 14. And so if you have your Bibles or you want to just, yeah, it's right there, cool. So Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Has anyone seen those uh, YouTube, that YouTube channel Wired? Is that familiar with anyone? Wired? Yeah, we got one thumbs up. Cool. I'm going to talk to you. Uh, no, but they have this video series where they bring in, bring in an expert in a field. Uh, so they bring in an astrophysicist and uh, experts in music theory. And they, they sit them down and they have them explain part of their field to five different people. Uh, and so there's one where they, there's a person that's an expert in lasers, which is cool. There's an expert in lasers. And they take this expert and they sit across with them, five different people at five different levels of standard education. So you put a child out there, and then the next time they put a high school student, and then a college student, grad student, and then another expert. And to each of these people, this expert is able to explain a fullness of what the lasers are, but in a way that this child, and then the high schooler, and then the college student is able to understand at five different varying levels. So it's true to say that in this scenario, the idea of lasers is not less accessible to the child as it is to the grad student. Uh, but it's also true to say that just because uh, the grad student has be been through like, levels of education um, that gives them a different baseline, uh, that doesn't mean that they don't have more to learn. Uh, and there isn't more specifics that can be um, seen. And I think uh, prayer can be a lot like that with us too, is whether the reality is, is whether you've been a Christian for five days or 50 years, prayer is something that we can all participate in, in a conversation with God, and it's also something that we continue to learn more deeply. And that's the idea for today, is that we're going to be looking at this passage and a bird's eye view that we'll narrow in uh, in the coming weeks. But prayer is an ongoing relationship, uh, ongoing conversation with God that is accessible, that is uh, mysterious, and is necessary. So just some background information on the Lord's Prayer, just so we're all on the same page here, is that this prayer, um, there's actually two different accounts for this prayer. There's one in Matthew and then there's one in Luke. Uh, in, in the Matthew passage, the context is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving his whole uh, Sermon on the Mount discourse and within that he says, this is how you pray. In Luke, it shows up where the disciples ask Jesus, how do I pray? And the, the two different accounts, they're, they're similar, but there's some differences as well. Um, in Matthew, oh cool. In Matthew, you've got seven petitions. Uh, Lord, will you do this? That's a, a request. And in Luke, you have five. Uh, you can see that 
we've got three uh, big statements of uh, hallowed be your name, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, and then there's a natural break in the passage where it switches from you to give us this day, uh, forgive us our debts. So you have this twofold um, looking, uh, the Lord is the object and then the corporate nature of the prayer with us are. And then another cool background information is that these verbs, uh, hallowed, uh, um, give us all these things, they're in what's called the imperative mood, and that just means that it's a command, which feels a little weird at first that in this prayer we're taught to command God to do something, right? Like he's God, we're humanity, can we do that? And, and so it, it feels a little bit irreverent, but uh, although it's in that commanding mood, and Jesus tells us to pray that way, it, it softens the feeling a little bit, knowing that uh, it's it's also what's called the passive voice, and so it's not just saying, Lord, holy yourself, which is what hallowed is, but it's, it's be hallowed because you're the only one that can do this. Uh, Lord, you have to give us bread because you're the only one that can uh, provide it is, is the, um, the idea that's conveyed in this passage. And so with that background info set, let's uh, go to the first point, which is saying that Prayer is an ongoing conversation with God that is accessible to everyone. The, the prayer starts out with addressing God as Father. And there's so many other names for God in Scripture. There's, he's Lord, He's Yahweh, Adonai, uh, Master, but in the moment that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, the address that he gives for them to use for God is Father. It's because the first aspect of the accessibility of prayer is that it's relational. It's a conversation with someone that is your father and sees you as their child. And we'll go into more of what Father means next week, but the relational nature of the address speaks to the accessibility or the, the approachability that we have to come to God. This isn't someone that we need to go through many checks and balances in order to seek his audience, but he's our father. We can go straight to him. Uh, last year, while uh, everything was all, you know, yeah, uh, I listened to uh, Barack Obama's autobiography, A Promised Land, and I had, I had long commutes, and so I'd put it on. And there was some really cool moments in the book where uh, the president would be in the, in the Oval Office, you know, in this really important meeting, or he would be on a phone call with world leaders, doing all sorts of things. And, and then once the jobs were done for the day, he takes the final to-do box, he would make his way into the presidential uh, quarters to, like, uh, to join the family with a pizza party, or to say hello to the girls that had uh, their friends over for a, a slumber party, stuff like that. And it was, it was just, I love those moments in the book because you have someone that has so much power, so much authority, and yet that is their role and their job and true to who they are. But in, in, another, in, in, this, in a very real sense, in the same way, he's also a father. He also uh, gives an audience, gives an ear to their daughters, maybe more so than they would someone else uh, uh, that in the other job. And, and, and it just captured for me that even though that God is master, God is Lord, 
Uh, he controls the earth. He tells the wind where to go. He tells the sea where to stop. Um, he's, he's a father. He's a father to us. And as his children, we have his ear to come to him. It's relational. Prayer is also accessible because uh, a scholar, N.T. Wright, says, he says the words that the, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, doesn't use the greatness of God to belittle the human plight. Um, prayer is approachable and accessible because it doesn't force us to neglect the realities of our circumstances, whether good or bad, when we come to Him. We don't have to fake it. And in this, the second half of the prayer, we have four different petitions or requests that they ask of God for daily bread to forgive us, to not lead us into temptation. Um, immediately following the three petitions, asking God to exercise his will. And these, the, these first three requests about God, hallowed be your name, uh, God, your kingdom come. Uh, these are phrases that are wrapped up in majesty, phrases of grandeur of the Lord Lord's will being done on earth. But isn't it interesting how the greatness of God never displaces our needs or our humanity or our sin? The greatness of God never asks us to suppress the reality of the circumstances that we're in when we come to Him. And the kingdom of the world doesn't really work like that. The more power a person has, the less accessible they become. The more elevated uh, uh, a party is, the more exclusive it becomes to other people. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. The character of God doesn't work like that. The most majestic and beautiful and powerful person who's ever lived, Jesus, he ate with sinners. He met with people that were seen as unclean in the society. He he met with people that were outcasted and hated by society. And when he instructs our prayer lives, he includes this bottom instruction of offering those things which show our need. The grandeur of God does not make us belittle our circumstances and the real things that are going on in our lives. And it's important to realize, though, that the order of this prayer it does show us how we are to prioritize our prayer life, to, to organize the longings of our heart within this template that Jesus gives us. So I have, I have three nephews, right? I've got a one-year-old, a six-year-old, and a nine-year-old. So at some point over the next 18 years, if you could think the prayer for my sister, that would be helpful for her. And though they vary in age, they have this universal thing that's really cool that they do, which is scream really loudly. <laughs> you didn't have to teach them, they just do it. And, you know, this scream isn't always in response to something negative happening. Uh, yeah, it, it could be anything really in its screaming. Um, I mean, you know, you've got kids around here, well, they're up there, but still. Um, uh, but let's just take, uh, hone in on when they scream in a negative situation. There's two types of screams within this situation. Uh, the first is, I'm screaming, hey, the situation is so bad that I cannot form the words 
to let you know what's going on. I've got a piece of Lego shoved up my heel. I'm screaming, and that's all I can do to express that, hey, I need help. In that situation, like, hey, that's, yeah, scream on, brother or sister. Like, that's a good thing. There's nothing else you can really do. This situation is so emotionally jarring that that's, that's, that's all that the situation calls for is a yell. But this scream also happens when little brother does something annoying, um, older brother knocks over your Jenga set or something, although that's kind of what Jenga's all about. But, uh, and then it's just let off a huge yell in that moment. In that situation, you're so much better realizing that, hey, let's think logically about the situation. What's going on? Why am I mad? And what can I do to, and say to express my emotion to change the situation. Now, kids don't do that, obviously, and it takes emotional maturity over a year to, to figure that out um, when, we're just, when we are distressed, but uh, there are times in our lives when we are praying and situations that we are in where the only prayers that we are able to offer to the Lord will be like those uh, cries of our hearts, that, that first example where it's like, Lord, help. Lord, what's going on? Lord, it's, it's, it's the, the bare-bones reality of the situation. That's all we're going to be able to do. And that's good, and that's right. Uh, but life isn't always in that extreme, right? Thankfully, it's not. Uh, and we're blessed in that way. And, and yes, we always have needs. And we, as we've always, already seen, Jesus does not belittle us for having those needs, obviously, because he tells us, bring those to me, ask for things. Um, that's just... We have unmet longings in our hearts, and that's just part of living in this world. But this prayer teaches us that these longings, they ought to be seen in tangent with who God is, what He is about, and what He is doing on this earth. Um, more generally, your kingdom coming, your will being done, and also more specifically, what's the Lord doing in this situation? How is His will being exerted here? How is His goodness being shown even in this? Um, prayer is accessible because of the relationship that we have with the Father as His children, because we don't have to hide the reality of our circumstances when we come to Him, and because of that, we can say that we can pray without fear. And we can pray with authenticity. It could be real. So prayer is accessible. Prayer is also an ongoing conversation with God that is mysterious. And in, in the history of our faith, confessing the mysteries of God has been a common practice to do. There's just some things about God that we can confess to be true that we won't understand. We know that God is triune, that the Trinity exists, but we can't really explain the inner workings of how that works. We just can't. God is both man and God. We confess that that is true, but I can't give you a schematic at how that works. And it wasn't really until about 600 years ago that we started getting really uncomfortable with not being able to give the data for the mysteries of faith. And, and this isn't to say that confessing mystery, uh, when we use that language, is being lethargic in our pursuit of knowledge of God and wanting to learn more about Him and, and what He expects of us and how to live. Uh, but it's a spiritual practice of confessing the reality of the things, the inner workings of things that on this side of glory we just don't fully understand yet. And so it's okay for there to be mystery, 
they're supposed to be mystery. It shows who we are. We're not God. We are humanity. Um, and within prayer, there's a mystery. Uh, uh, the first one to note is this balance of human agency, human action, with the sovereignty of God. Uh, scholar George Beasley Murray says it well. He says, The intersection between the sovereignty of God and the prayers of the people or saints is part of the ultimate mystery of existence. Why, basically, the quotation is, Why do I pray for God to do things if he's sovereign and good? Isn't he doing them anyway, even if I don't pray? Why would I need to pray? Isn't he able to intervene? But we see throughout Scripture, from the very beginning, that the way that God chooses to reveal himself, the way that he chooses to exercise his will upon the world, is through a chosen people in Israel, in the chosen person of Jesus, and then ultimately his church. And in light of this truth and this pattern, we can see God's fingerprints of how he exercises his kingdom rule on earth. And when we're talking about this passage in Matthew, it's in the Sermon of the Mount. That's what it, God is saying, this is what the new kingdom's like, and it's here. Uh, and, and so when Jesus is saying, pray that the Father's kingdom will come, these aren't just cute words that Jesus is using that are spiritual sounding, but there's a real truth in saying, pray the kingdom to come because you're the agents by which the kingdom comes. And the mystery here is that just how in, 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 the fall, in the fall in Genesis 3, you have this moment where humanity and God, they no longer dwelled in the same place, right? And then through Israel, you end up having the temple and the tabernacle where God's space and humanity's space overlapped once more, right? And then you have Jesus who's, who, in whom all of humanity and all of the, uh, uh, God and man dwelled, it says in John that he came and dwelt with us. That word is he came and tabernacled with us. He was the person in whom the presence of God dwelled and he's giving this new kingdom to us. And then it says in Second Peter, uh, Peter's saying that this tabernacle that I have, this body, and then in First Corinthians that your body is a temple. These aren't, aren't just words, but for all those that are believers in Jesus Christ, you have the spirit of God in you that means your action, your prayers, are the agents that God uses to bring his kingdom on this earth. And there's a mystery there, but it's also really cool that we're the people, we are his tabernacles that he's using to reconcile the world. So he tells us to pray. Pray, God, your kingdom come. We know from this first point that God cares about the things that we need, right? God's accessible. And that he included those petitions in prayer. And we know in this point here of his mystery that God is using the prayers of his followers to bring about his kingdom. And when we hold these two things together, it gives us comfort in another big mystery of prayer, which is when we don't see our prayers and ans answered in ways that we think ought to or seem like they're, they're not being answered at all. And I'm not trying to give a, I'm, and I'm not going to give a clear-cut answer as to why prayers seem at times to go unanswered. I'm, I'm not that wise. I don't have like a statement for you to hang on for life. 
But I will say that in Scripture, we're given so many examples about the character of God. That he is a father who, as verse 8 in this passage in Matthew says, he knows what we need before we even ask. It says in other passages that he's a father that gives good gifts to his children. He is a father that, as Zechariah says, delights in us. He finds joy in us. And he is a God that has never been defeated or failed or, or failed to come through on his promises. And although thinking of the, what seems like God is not answering in your life, of prayers that are going unanswered, although that is confusing and it stings right now, if we hold up that that thing that we want to see God do, that prayer that we're praying, that he doesn't seem to be answering, up with what we know to be true about his character and true about what he has done, we can have faith in that mystery that although with the level of foresight I have right now, this doesn't make sense, I trust you, God. Because the reality is, and the mystery is, that he always hears and responds. And whether that answer comes across as not right now, or not like that, or even no, because what you're asking for actually isn't what is good for you. What you're asking for won't bring my will on this earth and be beneficial for you. We know that God will be faithful to his will and that he will be faithful to us. I have a, <laughs> it's kind of a fun story about, that I learned recently about how God works in mysterious ways to kind of cut the tension a little bit. Uh, so in Chicago, uh, we have these really cool things called rats. And they get really big, which is surprising because there's not a, lot, a whole lot of food hanging about. But I'm talking like... And I, I valeted for a couple of years, and so I'd be... Every night I'd just be running, basically. That's what you do as a valet, you just run all the time. And then you'll come across a rat, come out from under a car, and it's just awful. It's just... In those moments where you're like, God, why would you do this? What, what were you thinking? I had all, all the reason to, like, ask God that, right? And then last week, I learned that there are rats in Nairobi that are used in Cambodia to sniff out unexploded mines. And there's a rat called Magawa that has just spent the last 10 years sniffing out over 100 mines so that they can be diffused. So how about that? Why, God, why? Well, he's doing something, so just remember that next time you ask that, okay? <laughs> Think of Magawa. Yeah, he got, there's a picture on the internet with him with a little medal around his neck. And he's just... <laughs> I'm serious, I didn't get it in time, sorry. but Look it up, Magawa. 10 years, 100 bombs. So prayers is mysterious, but we can be assured that God is still listening, even if he doesn't answer in the way that we think he ought to or expect. Point number three is that prayer is an ongoing conversation with God that is necessary. In the Luke account, uh, Jesus gives this prayer in response to the, dis the disciples' question of, Lord, teach us how to pray. And um, this is one of just the few times in the Gospels that we see such a direct question about 
how do I do this, like method? And this is a man that they saw cast out demons, saw heal the blind and the sick. They saw him transfigure into glory before their very eyes and hold their own with the religious leaders over the day with the scripture. And when they ask for Jesus to teach them something, they say, Lord, we see that you're always praying. Can you teach us how to do that? And it, it just seems like there's so much wisdom in this question. There's so much discernment that these disciples have. And it makes me f- think of Solomon's own request to God um, when, he, when he's given the opportunity and a vision for ask for whatever he wants in the world and it will be done for him. And he asks for wisdom, right? The, the, the disciples don't ask for the method of how Jesus performs this miracle. How do I get that power? Although they end up being able to do that through the power of the Spirit, right? But they ask him, um, they had the, the, the discernment to ask and realize that everything that Jesus does is the outspring of a life of fellowship with the Father. And this fellowship, this relationship is nurtured through sorry, a life of communication with God in prayer. So they see Jesus, you know, on his longest days of ministry, waking up early to pray. And everything that we can do for the kingdom of God as the body of Christ, which is what we're supposed to do, um, is, is as the body of Christ in this world is done out of just like Jesus, a relationship and fellowship with God. So just as Jesus prioritizes prayer in his life in order to be able to, to step into the road that was before him, which ultimately led to the cross, we also need to build a life and order a life that prioritizes prayer, which is fellowship with God, being the starting point of every aspect of our lives. And there's other scriptures that, that point to this too. I mean, we could, I mean, it just says, this is how you pray or when you pray. That's what the passages say. So there's I don't want to, like, you could just take that as, you know, Jesus said you're going to be praying, so you better pray, but I don't want to just say that to you. But there's also, like, in Luke, before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he spent the previous whole day and night praying before he chose them. And then in Matthew 26, it says to keep, you know, watch and pray that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So in order to overcome the temptations in our lives to, of sin and, and to keep the forces of darkness that want nothing more to make God's children ineffective for the kingdom and hurt our fellowship with God. It says, pray. Uh, and then, you know, in confession, when we do stumble, we confess this morning, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Prayer is necessary in our lives. We see that in Jesus, and we see that in Scripture. And if it was the bedrock of the life of the person who was the most faithful and the most powerful on this earth in Jesus, like him, we need to prioritize it, right? Prayer is necessary, so we need to intentionally order our lives to practice it regularly. And so to conclude, we're just going to talk about that. Like, how can we do that? How can we use this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, over the next few weeks and months in our own prayer life? 
Um, uh, in the same book that I pulled that N.T. Wright uh, quote out from earlier, it's called The Lord and His Prayer. It's this little cool book that uh, it was like $10 or something. Um, but he, he gives some really cool exercises of ways to use this prayer in our lives. And um, there's three of them. And so if there's maybe just one to use this week or over this series. The first one is to take um, each clause in your mind and with the clause in the back of your mind, recalling in the front of your mind, I'll explain it better in a second, uh, the particular things that you want to pray for. So if, if the clause that you're praying is um, uh, um, lead us not into temptation or yeah, lead us not into temptation you keep that in the back of your mind as a theme of the thing that you're praying for so Lord lead us not into temptation I'm praying for the things that I see that day that I could be tempted by the things that I know, the situations that are going to be happening if you know the Lord let your will be done it's okay I've got this going on today I've got this going on today Lord let your will be done in this situation in that situation it's using the phrases as themes and templates to pray basically that's what that's one exercise that you can do another one that's used in the church is throughout I mean these 2,000 years it's just praying it it's just pray this way uh, it's so daily praying the Lord's prayer and what one thing uh, that certain church traditions have done in history is um, praying it repeatedly so that, like, it's almost, if you've heard of, like, breath praying, where it's, it's, it's just, Lord, your will be done on earth as in heaven. You're just breathing through the prayer throughout your day. And uh, another way you can pray is, and use this prayer over this series, is just taking each clause, um, each statement as uh, your prayer for that day, and that's your emphasis for that day. There's seven of them. So the first one, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's tomorrow. That's Monday. And then you'll get to next Sunday and you'll have prayed each clause of this prayer and been able to, you know, I mean, it's, it's to, to be blessed in that way. But those are just some, some uh, practical ways that we can use this prayer um, in our lives. And th- just, we're almost done, but there's a couple statements that you might be saying on a daily basis that c- can trigger in our minds that this is a good moment to pray. Statements like that lead off with, I hope that blank, or I wish this would have happened. I'm not sure about, I'm so busy right now, I'm so tired right now. Oh, that's awesome. Oh man, that sucks. I wonder how blank is doing. I wish that I could have just Why does this keep happening? This doesn't make any sense. These are things we say all the time, maybe not quite as dramatic as that, and and, uh, tons of others. But the point is, we could be praying constantly. We could be inviting God to, uh, in conversation with our God all the time. It's it's not just at the morning or night. It's, you know, it's the ceaseless prayer that in every moment, just like Jesus, we need to be in relationship with God and fellowship and conversation with God for this long road ahead. And it's so been so cool to hear about how in this transition, just this church, how like um, as the body of Christ, you've, you've stepped up. You've used your gifts as the church has had need, that you're dedicating this next period of time to, to look at the past and then to, to mark a way forward. And a huge bulk of that 
um, is to spend time in prayer. And um, I don't want to try to presume that I know what a transition like this is like, because I don't. Um, but it, it can be a long one, right? And it's, uh, it's, it's good to be aware of the misconceptions that could come in our minds about when prayer is just transactional, maybe if I say the prayer enough times, or if I use the right words, or if I say, in your will be done, that then you will do it. If I have the right input, then the right output would come. But prayer, prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about relationship with the Father and becoming more like the image of His Son. And so that's just to say, like, if the transition takes longer than expected, or if it happens short, you know, quicker, this is a long road, and prayer needs to be the bedrock for this time. And today, you know, uh, after the service, there's uh, um, and Ali are going to be subbing in and, and leading the prayer time. Uh, if you have things that you want to see God do in your life right now, um, or, or just prayer, you don't even have to give a request, just can you pray for me, or can we pray about this? This is a, a perfect opportunity to start to um, to make these daily rhythms in our lives of prayer. Will you pray with me? Hey, Father, I just, um, I thank you for today. I thank you that um, you create a way for us to talk to you because you like to talk to us. Um, and uh, we just confess, Lord, and ask for your protection over um, times uh, that we busy ourselves to the point where we don't think of you. And I pray that you recall our minds this week, Holy Spirit, of just ways that we can uh, get into conversation with you about whatever's going on. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to sing? One of the things that, that we wanted to try over the next uh, few weeks as well is to introduce a sung version.